being a marketer during this time is really challenging me in new ways, but also providing a lot of growth. Anytime you're marketing, you have to meet the user where they are, right? So we need to make sure that we're speaking to the user and letting the user know we're in this with you. We're going through this together. And I do believe that the things that we do right now are going to set us up for success or failure after this. Why do some companies succeed in driving growth while others fail? How do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries? In the age of mobile, these are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. I'm Mada, and I'm the host for How I Grew This. Hi, everyone. We are happy to have our next guest, Anna Guillen, who is currently the Senior Director of Marketing at TuneIn Radio. Before that, Anna worked at Warner Records and started her own artist management company. What an amazing journey so far, Anna. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, we are doing this podcast in a very strange time for the world. We've been in uh, physical distancing mode for, I guess, six weeks or something now. How are you doing during these times and how's TuneIn doing? I'm doing good. Uh, TuneIn is doing good as well. Fortunately, TuneIn made us shelter in place, stop going into the office really early. So we're on week wow. nine yeah, of working remote, of you know, sheltering in place. And so far, so good. It's hard, right? Like you really have to work to keep your mind in the right place because it's really easy to sort of like go into like, you know, the deep end. Um, so really just trying to find silver linings through this situation and just stay optimistic and, and use the time, the sort of like forced pause to just get better, right? Like be a better human, a better friend, a better worker, all of that sort of stuff. So when things start opening up, like when we get to the other side of this, I'm hoping that I like use the time to just improve in some way. Anything that you were working on specifically in that? So one thing that I did, which I'm proud of it because I wasn't sure if I would stick to it, but last August for my birthday, I was given a gift and I was given a harmonium and a harmonium is a, you know, an instrument. I've never heard of a harmonium. Oh, you haven't? Does it look like a guitar? No. So it's like a little box and it is a hybrid of call it like a little keyboard and a accordion. So it's got like what they call bellows. And so one hand is playing keys and one hand is like, you know, playing the bellows. So it kind of sounds like an organ meets a a piano, let's say. And so I got it last August and of course I didn't touch it. And so the the minute that we sheltered in place, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to learn how to play this instrument. And so I'm gonna practice every day. And so we're like nine weeks in, I'm probably at like a 75% um, rate of actually doing what I said I was going to do, but I can play two songs now, which I feel like is wow, that's amazing. pretty cool, right? So that's one example of just, you know, trying to use the time for something beneficial. Um, the other thing is it's been kind of an interesting experience because we're sort of like forced to pause and to slow down. I've been noticing that I'm finding like joy in like little tiny things because there's just not a lot of excitement right now. Typically, I was supposed to be in Vegas this weekend. Typically, we'd be going out, you know, having dinner, drinking wine with friends, and there's not a lot of that happening. And so, you know, my evenings are now going for walks and like, you know, really like mellow activity. And I've just found myself like noticing things that like I typically wouldn't notice, right? So like, 
a duck in a pond, a really beautiful flower. And typically you, you don't see those things because you're so busy. I'm on my phone, I'm this, I'm that. But when I'm walking, I'm trying to like disconnect from screens and social media because I'm doing that all day. And so that's been another thing that I think has just been really cool. And I am asking myself, like, what do I want to take with me from this time when we get to the other side? right? Like, what do I want to keep? And then what do I want to not bring back, right? Some of the like, you know, the way I would just like wear myself down because I'm in the office all day, every day and commuting and doing all those things. So yeah, it's really interesting. It's an interesting situation that we're in. I totally, I totally agree with you. I think there's like a lot of positives to this. And I think for sure my lifestyle won't be the same as it was right now. Yeah. As it has been. And I think one thing that's like very obvious uh, from the stories you've told, even looking at the wall behind you, you have so many records uh, behind. And, you know, we were reading on LinkedIn uh, and you have a story about how you started record sh- a record shop selling CDs when you were 13. Tell us where does this love for music comes from? And, you know, maybe like the career progression and how music has influenced your career so far. My dad was a musician. I didn't grow up in the same house as him, but he was one of those people that could like pick up any instrument and play it. Like it didn't matter what it was. So I feel like it's like genetic. Like I somehow was like given the genes of like being a fan of music, but I didn't play an instrument. Like I'm learning one now, but I didn't start that way. And so I was just a big fan. And in high school, I kind of felt like I had the cool job because I worked at the music store. And that was when we still, you know, listen to music on a CD, which seems like a little bit archaic now with streaming. But um, it was really fun. And so when I was there, I started researching like the record labels. So what was the logo on the back of the CD? And I got really fascinating with them. And I decided at that point, you know, after I graduate high school, I'm moving to New York because that's where all the record labels were, like all of their addresses were in New York, and I'm going to work at a record label. And so that's what I did. I graduated high school, went to New York, and really my intention was, I knew I had to go to school. I didn't really care about the school part. I cared about interning at labels because I knew that if I could get an internship, get my foot in the door, then I could get a job. You planned very early. Yeah, college was like the conduit to doing the internships. And so that's what I did. And that sort of set me on this path of working in the music industry. Wow, that's great. So tell us, so you started in the music industry and how did that lead to where you are today in your career? So after college, I did a couple internships, which was great, got my foot in the door and I was able to get hired by Warner Records. And so I worked at Warner's for eight years And it literally was the dream job, right? When I was that kid in the record store in high school, it was Madonna's record label, it was Prince's record label, like these really big people. So to be able to end up, you know, getting that job and like being in a room with Madonna, like that was just like, I couldn't believe it, right? You were in a room with Madonna? I have been in a room with Madonna. We did not speak. I didn't want to speak to her. I was afraid that somehow it would ruin my vision. So it was perfect. I just got to see her in person and just be like, wow, she's real. So that was kind of cool. But anyway, so at Warner, I was hired by Warner. They moved me to the Southeast, which is where they started like all their rookies because I was right out of college. And I did regional promotion and marketing. And so essentially what I did was I worked with media gatekeepers to try to get our music, our artists exposed. So the goal was generate impressions, generate awareness, and then the awareness would in turn 
drive CD sales. And then later on at my time, there drive streams, right? Because we were in the point of streaming. So whether it be through Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. So started in the Southeast, was then promoted to San Francisco, which brought me back home because I'm from the Bay Area. Um, and just was working in a higher profile market, which meant that you got to work with higher profile artists. And Warner was an amazing time. It was... Um, it's where I figured out that I really, really like building things. Like I like helping things grow. And what it was, was artist careers. So I, you know, worked with the Black Keys. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this group, the Black Keys, but they're really big now. So I am. yeah, worked with the Black Keys. I took them to their very first radio interview. I had them in the back of my car, like driving around, like doing the thing. And it was so exciting to see something go from like little baby band to like big global superstars. And so I kind of got that bug wow. of like wanting to grow things. And towards the tail end of my time at Warner around 2008, when Facebook had gone from being only available to college students to being like an open platform and Twitter was starting to get popular. And that the idea of using social media to drive audience for artists and to drive revenue streams for artists was really, really interesting to me. And so I decided to leave Warner which was a big, bold move at that time, right? Um, and I joined a company called The Collective. And The Collective was based out of Los Angeles. It was an artist management company. They were also a multi-channel network. So essentially what they did was they developed and monetized content for YouTube. And they were starting a label as well. So they were going to be this like new, innovative model of having everything under one roof for an artist. And so I wow. went there to help them build that. That's so cool. It was Yeah, it was such an incredible experience because I, I there learned exactly what I set out to learn, which was how do you use social media, use digital platforms to build artists' career, to build fan base, and then activate the fan base to drive revenue streams. And then you also founded an artist management and content development startups. Was that after The Collective? Yeah, so I, I was at The Collective. I was there for two years and they were deciding to pivot. They wanted to solely focus on YouTube monetization, developing content for YouTube, which was really, really fascinating to me and I liked it, but I had just signed an artist that I really believed in and they wanted to get out of the music space. And so I kind of like did my Jerry Maguire moment where I was like, all right, I'm leaving, I'm taking my artist and I'm going. I didn't do the whole who's coming with me type of thing, but um, I left the company, took my artist um, and that's when I decided like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out on my own. And so I did it on my own for four years. I had the company. It was small. It was boutique. It was myself. And I had two other people that work with me. Ended up signing four clients in total. And that was such an incredible experience. Like I really tell everybody, at some point in your life, you need to start your own business. And I'm sure you can speak to this, right? Like you learn so much about yourself. You figure out that you're capable of way more than you think you are. Especially in the early days. I think now it's in some ways now it feels like branch is big and we have an amazing exec team. But I think hearing you, it does remind me of the early days. And I think starting a company from scratch, there's nothing like it. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it again. It took so much out of me, but uh, I definitely understand that. Yeah, it's I mean, it's everything. Like I remember that time, like it, every action you take, every minute you spend 
affects your bottom line because you're either giving it to the business or you're not. And so it can be, it's, it's a lot. It can be a lot. It's a lot. Um, super grateful for that time though. I, during that time, I really learned about the artist business and where the revenue comes from. And the artist business is really interesting because if you think about streaming, like streaming, every time you stream a song, a microtransaction happens. So you stream a song, an artist makes like a fraction of a penny, but all of those pennies add up. And so as the manager, my job was not only to guide the artist and to help them make the right business decisions, but was to like aggregate all the pennies, right? Wherever they're coming from. And, and the pennies can add up to like real money, which is great. Um, so at Public Matter, which was my management company, like that's what I did. And I was super grateful for, you know, learning the artist business, whether it be selling um, tickets or selling merchandise or driving streaming revenue. Um, it all matters and it all adds up. But there came a moment where one of my core artists broke up. That was like a little bit, you know, heartbreaking. Um, but it gave me a moment to figure out and to think like, is this what you still want to do? Or if you're going to pivot, like now is a good time. And so I actually like forced myself to take a pause and to really think about what's next in your career. And where I landed was I had had artist management and I'd had the record label. So I had like two legs of the stool, if it's like a three-leg stool. And the third leg was distribution. It was the platform. And I loved what was happening in streaming. Super, super exciting. And I had this like criteria. There was a few things that I knew I wanted for whatever I did next. I wanted to work in an HQ because I'd been working from home for quite some time. I wanted to, the company needed to be based in San Francisco because I wanted to stay in the Bay Area. And then the third criteria, other than audio platform, was I wanted to work at a company that was small enough for me to have access to the CEO. Because my aspiration is I, I want to be a CEO. I want to lead an organization. And so when I'm making decisions, I'm thinking like, is the decision getting me closer or further from the goal? And so when I found the opportunity at TuneIn, it not only checked all the boxes, but there were some other really exciting things about what the company was working on. And so that's how I wound up here. I love that. I think, you know, as I, I've talked about people's careers for a while and even thinking about mine, I think so much of it is chance. But I think what I love about yours is that you actually have been very deliberate about all your moves and everything you want to do. And that's actually, I think, a lot more rare than we think. You kind of knew what you wanted to do from very early days and you have this career plan. And I, uh, I think it's really interesting and I hopefully inspiring for those who are listening to the podcast. We try to think about uh, this podcast as something around growth. And the question that I always ask, both on the podcast and through our events, is tell us about one or two interesting campaigns that you've done across your career that really drove growth for your business. It could be TuneIn, it could be before that. But what are some of the more successful things you've done and how did you come up with them? How did you implement them? I think we'll talk about something that's really current. And if you think about my career trajectory, my product before this was music. And my product now is the platform that delivers the music. And when I joined TuneIn, and not just when I joined still, being a marketer at TuneIn is a hard job. Uh, the reason why it's a hard job is because our name is TuneIn. 
And TuneIn is the most widely used CTA in all of media. Anytime yeah. you're talking about... Tune into our podcast. If Tune that's in, exactly yeah. it. And so if you're thinking about building a brand and driving brand awareness, it's a challenge. And then to like add on to the challenge, our content partners are the best known content brands in the world. MSNBC, NFL, CNN, MLB, BBC. Like we have these amazing partners, right? So if you're thinking about advertising, you're taking MLB and then you're saying, come listen on TuneIn. But in advertising, when you put TuneIn next to the MLB, people are taking our name as the CTA. So we're essentially doing the work for the MLB, which is um, challenging when you're trying to increase your brand awareness. This year in 2020, we have decided like we are focusing on our brand, we're building our brand because for the scale we have, 75 million monthly active users, our brand awareness is really low. And so we have to fix that. Through a lot of the research that we've done, we've learned that people will have our app installed on their phone, they'll listen to it, but they won't be able to tell you that they use TuneIn every day, which is really interesting. So it's a problem that we're trying to solve. And so when thinking about a campaign um, that I'm really excited about, this year I've been hyper-focused on building the brand for TuneIn and trying to do things differently than we've done in the past. In the past, we've done out of home, which is like really hard to measure. And if you're thinking about driving mobile app installs, that's hard to do via out of home advertising when you're probably driving. And so we've come up with a new campaign. Um, I call it a transactional brand campaign, meaning... We have to create awareness for TuneIn, but we can go out and we can drive billions of impressions. But if nobody is willing to take action and install the app, then we've not succeeded. And so we're doing this campaign right now. It started in January. And in order to get the dollars approved by the board, they set forth like really aggressive CPI and LTV goals. And in a quarter and a half, we've reached the goal, which is like, really exciting because where we're supposed to be in Q4, we've ended up in like four months. And I'm really proud of that work. I'm proud of the plan we've set forth. And the campaign is really rooted in testing, analyzing, optimizing, and then scaling versus just like putting all your eggs in one basket, taking one big bet and hoping that things happen. Um, so I feel like Yeah, that's a campaign that I'm proud of. That's like work that I'm going to like take with me in my career and like kind of like, you know, use it as a calling card, I guess you could say. I love that. And you guys are also a branch customer, which is awesome. Thank you for you. Yeah, guys. we are a branch customer. We love branch. You've mentioned how important, how we're branch is helping you in identifying moments of intent. Can you talk a little bit more about how that works and why it's important to your business? We, TuneIn is a, a live platform. We're live sports, live news. We also have on-demand podcasts and live radio. And so if you think about live, live is, there's an element of FOMO in live. There's an element of like fear of missing out because yeah. if you don't hear it in the moment when it's live, you're going to miss it. Um, I love on-demand content. I love Netflix, but there's something special about live because you also know when something is live, it's communal. There's other people doing it at the same time as you. And so when we think about growing TuneIn and driving app installs, we need to put ourselves between the live content and the users. And so that's identifying that moment of intent, the moment when someone needs to access that live content. And so we 
unearthed this new channel, which we call Listen Live Links. And essentially what we did was um, someone on my team identified that moment of intent for sports leagues when you want to listen to the sports game and you're not in front of your TV. And so the behavior is people will go to the team page and try to figure out how to watch or listen. And there's a schedule there. And so essentially what we did working with certain leagues and certain teams is got them to embed our link onto the schedule page with That's a button awesome. that says listen live. And our link is our branch link because Yay, our branch link allows... And it takes allows- straight to the... To, to whatever That's live exactly event. it. The deep linking is great, gets you right there. And so we did that, and there's a couple of things that happened. One, drive app installs, drive subscription. We can measure it because we're able to look at the back end and see the LTV and see that these are really valuable users. And then there was like this byproduct of the SEO blessing, the algorithm blessing you because your link is embedded on these um, highly, uh, what's the word? It's escaping me, but these like highly valued sites, right? So there's like, um, there's value there. And so that was something where we were able to use Branch in this moment That's of intent amazing. to drive the, the business. How about the time you t- guys tried something and it didn't work well? So I have a story about that. Branch was actually involved in that too, but oh, not, no. No, not on the failure side. <laughs> but we did, um, we, it's just, it, it speaks to how important Branch is to our business, right? So this is, I like this story. I, I obviously came from music and I get to tune in. And when I got to tune in, I was on the music team. Um, now I'm leading the marketing team. But when I started, I was just focused on music. And we decided that, we could create original content with artists. And we, I have relationships, people on my team had relationships. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, bring artists in and our growth loop is going to be bring the artists in, capture content. So it was essentially like podcast content. Um, we're going to have, we're going to create beautiful assets, give the assets to the artists to share on their social networks. Um, they share on their social networks. They point people back to tune in. So we use that as a user acquisition funnel. The person listens to content, so they therefore drive revenue and allows us to do it over again. Um, the links yeah. that we would give to the artists were branch links. So that's how you come into the story. It sounds like it would work. What happened? You would think it would work, right? And I come in and I'm like, I know exactly how to do this. This is what I've done yeah. my entire career. Leverage social media, drive revenue. I got yeah. this. So... We did it. We did it over 300 times. 300 different artists come in from like big, like G-Eazy to small, like, you know, up and coming artists. And it was great. We were driving installs. But the challenge was, is that the users that we were acquiring weren't valuable, meaning like they had a low LTV. And I didn't have the awareness when I came in to think about the user from a lifetime value perspective. And that was like, just a completely new way for me to think because I shifted product. Once I figured that out, I was like, oh boy, we have a problem. Like we're investing significantly um, from a monetary perspective, but the users that we're acquiring aren't valuable. So we're losing money on the strategy. So did everything I could to try to figure out how do we engage them using, you know, just different tactics, push notification, email, et cetera. And we just could not get these people to retain. They either were going through the flow and not finding the content or they were listening to one piece of content and then bouncing. And um, we ended up pulling the plug on it because it just wasn't the right place for us to be investing our resources at the time. 
So lots of lessons there. I wouldn't call it a failure, but I'd call it a very good learning opportunity. That's so interesting. I would have never, as you said, when you told me about this, I, I suggest programs like this to people for using a branch. And it's just very interesting to to think that maybe the type of users you get, and it's probably different from business to business. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. I think we have a bit of an older demo based on the content that we have. So sports yeah. and news, it, it ages up. And, and the artists that we were bringing in were, you know, just have a younger demo. And so it just didn't feel like the right fit. Before we move into the next topic, you know, I, th- I think marketing is harder during these times. It, it's a hard time for everyone. I think even in the early days, there were a lot of marketers who got a lot of bad rap on uh, LinkedIn for being insensitive. What do you think marketers and, and people in growth should think through these times? And where do you think the opportunities are? It's interesting. Being a leader and being a marketer during this time is really challenging me in new ways, but also providing a lot of growth, um, which I'm grateful for. Anytime you're marketing, you have to meet the user where they are, right? So we need to make sure that we're speaking to the user and letting the user know that like we're in this with you. We're going through this together. And I do believe that the way that we behave now, the things that we do right now are going to set us up for success or failure after this, like once we get to the other side. So some of the things that we've done in adjusting our messaging is making sure that we're speaking to people being at home. Um, So people are being at home and they're listening in new ways that they've not listened to before. And so we've seen some significant growth there. Um, One area is in connected devices, so in smart speakers. And we know Mm. that in smart speakers, it's still, as much as the medium is growing, it's there's still a bit of unknown because there's no screen. You're navigating with your voice. And so we're using yeah. it as an opportunity to really educate people of how you can access your favorite audio through your smart speaker. Another thing that we've been doing is in regards to news content. So people it's crucial to stay informed and it's crucial to stay informed with like credible sources. And fortunately we have that content on TuneIn and we are trying to get people to the content as quickly as they can. And so we're doing that through push notifications, through emails, through popping up new units for merchandising in app so that upon opening the app with one tap, you can get to the news that you need. And that's been really interesting the engagement rates on our tactics for promoting news are off the charts, like seeing 60% open rates on emails, which is like incredible. Um, so that's been an wow. interesting experience. And the other thing, we also have sports content. And so as marketers, we're like, all right, how do you market sports when there aren't any sports? Because everything yeah. is paused. And so we've been getting really creative in trying to figure out how to engage a sports user when there's not live content for them. Do you have an example of that? I'm like, on the edge of my seat, it sounds so interesting. How do you do it? It's been interesting. So um, we do have replays of games on demand. So that's been something that we've like popped up campaigns around, uh, pulling different sports podcasts, sports documentaries, and really positioning them in a way, again, so that the user understands like, we get it. We miss our sports too. This is what we're listening to to help like kind of um, scratch that itch. And here we think you might like this too. 
You've had an amazing career. I think some of the examples and the stories you've told are really great. What advice do you have for others as they think about a career, I guess, either in the music industry or in marketing? You thought about things uh, very deliberately, but for those who maybe are looking for a change or maybe very early in their career, what advice do you have for them? Trust your instincts. It took me a while to learn to like trust that little voice in the back of your head. And I, I think that it, it's really hard to do, but it's the reason why I've been able to, you know, have the career I've had. Trusting my instincts to leave Warner when I knew it was like this really well-paying job. There's so much credibility that comes with working with like a big company like a Warner. And I left to go to a smaller, like relatively unknown company, but I knew I needed to like learn what I was going to learn there. Right. So I trusted my instincts. It was the same thing when I left that company to start my own business. People thought I was insane because I had job offers. There was all these things. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to see what I can do because I knew that I would get a boot camp. I almost call that like my MBA program of like running my own business, right? I've always wanted to go back and get my master's. I never have. So now I'm like, that was my MBA. And I trusted my instincts and and everything's like connected and it all feels really right. And so I, I think that it's really easy to get kind of wrapped up in like what you should do or what people think you should do versus just really getting quiet and like listening to what's happening inside and, and follow that. That's awesome. And how about mentors? Have you had any mentors that help you around the way? I know that you're a college talent tour mentor. How do you think about mentors that help you and how do you give back? Mentors, there's two people when I think about mentors that pop into my mind. But it's interesting, when you think about mentors, I think mentorship is like, um, you know, like trusted advisors. Yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't mean formal. I meant like people that you trust and they helped you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't feel like I've ever had like, um, you know, that mentor-mentee relationship. But there's two people that stand out. There's um, a man named Tom Beery, but he goes by Grover. And he hired me at Warner Brothers. He was at Warner Brothers for 20 years. He's like the most passionate, creative executive I'd ever met. And then our current CEO at TuneIn, her name is Juliette Morris, and she came from the news world. She was at MSNBC, and then she was at HBO during like the Sex and the City and the Sopranos days, which is like so cool. And when I think about the two of them, I I view them as mentors. And one of the things that I think is like the sort of like similarity between the two is that they both express belief in me. And they gave me the room to like stretch, right? The room to stretch, to grow. And I think that's really important. So when I develop that awareness of like, oh, that's what they've done for me. That's why I look up to them so much and why they've been so important in my life. I now try to do that for other people. So when you see somebody that has potential, and oftentimes I think you see it in people before they see it in themselves, like help let them know, like help bring that awareness to them. Because sometimes you just need like one person to believe in you to give you the courage to like try that new thing or like take that step when you can't really see the path in front of you. Um, So that's what I've been trying to do in the way that I try to give back. And it's fun to be at a place in your career. And I would think that you probably feel this way too, where you now have the experience that you can help make other people's like paths and journeys a little bit easier. 
No, it's awesome. And I really appreciate that. So what's, t- tell us about the college talent tour mentor. I think yeah. that sounds so fun. I, ha- I have to ask about that. Yeah, it was super fun. So this, he was a student at the time. He went to Berkeley and I'm trying to think of how I met him. He might've cold called me. He, like he might've found my email and reached out to me, but I was really impressed by him. And he you know, when you're cold calling someone, especially like you got to make sure your pitch is tight, right? If you're going to give somebody your time or ask somebody for their time. And he did a good job. So we, we somehow got connected and I learned about College Talent Tour, which was a, let's call it an American Idol for college campuses. And he was basically helping kids, students, learn how to start a career in the music industry and giving them a platform to perform and to learn from executives. And so I was mentoring him to help give him some like business perspective. And then also I went to some of the events like at Berkeley and different colleges, USC, and would talk to the students. And they would basically ask me questions like I'm, I either want to work in the music industry <laughs> or I'm an artist. Like, how do I get started? And I would just like share some of the you know, nuggets that I've picked up along the way. That's awesome. I think it's very uncommon in the Bay Area. I can't even think like uh, in business school or there wasn't, there weren't many people who knew about the music industry. And I think it's, uh, it was probably incredibly helpful. So that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was good. It's definitely more of a LA, New York city type of program, but um, it was really fun. There's definitely a lot of talent up here. So we're going to end with a lightning round. If you had to delete all the apps on your phone and you only had one left, what would it be? It would be Audible. I'm a huge audiobook person, like two, three books a month. I love listening and I, I don't think I could exist without that. So yeah, it would be Audible. <laughs> forget awesome. the food, forget everything else. It would be Audible. <laughs> I love it. I uh, didn't used to listen to that many books and I have a lot of credits. So since uh, now I do walks every day and I listen to Audible. So it's been awesome. Oh, I'm walking and listening to a book, I think is like the best thing to do. So I've definitely discovered this is a new, new thing I do every day. And then if you could have an app that allowed you to talk to one animal, what would it be? Would it be your dog? It absolutely would be my dog, but it wouldn't <laughs> only be my dog. Like I would want to do all dogs. All dogs. You could speak to all dogs. Yes, I think this I app, would... we could wave the magic and make it all dogs. I, so dogs are the best. And what I would ask them is how do you get like your enthusiasm for life? Like I, I leave the house I come back five minutes later and you act like it's like the first time you've ever seen me in my life. Like I want that type of enthusiasm. So I would like to get their secret sauce. I love it. I agree with that. I recently got the puppy. So I forgot how amazing it is to have a dog. It like lifts my mood. It's like oh, the best, the best antidepressant in the world. I would say. <laughs> exactly. I agree completely. And then the last thing, what's the most unlikely app on your phone? I want to say... Do you know the app Hide My Ass? No. So it's it's not <laughs> how it sounds, but basically what this, it's HMA, Hide My Ass, and the icon is a donkey with sunglasses and like a cool hat on, which is why I think it's like something that people, if you look at my phone, would be really surprised. But what it does is it lets you VPN into other countries. So I can look at TuneIn's app experience in other countries, which is really helpful to see like, what do our banners look like? But I didn't know about this app. And when I learned about it, I'm like, this is so freaking cool. 
um, but very random. So I, I think that would be my answer. I had my ass. I have a VPN app, but it's called something VPN. Yours sounds so much cooler. <laughs> I'm going to email you the link. You got to get this one. It, you know, it's all about the marketing and the branding. And they've done I a know, really good job. I know, it's amazing. Please, please send it my way. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for taking the time. I feel I learned a lot and I'm sure our audience has as well. And um, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you, what would be the best place? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram. It's just my name, at Ana Guillen. Um, also LinkedIn, of course, as well. My email is on LinkedIn, so you're definitely welcome to email me. Well, awesome. Thanks again. It was yeah, great having you. Yeah, thank you so you. much. It was a pleasure to meet you. And I actually, you can cut this out if you want, but I have a question for you. Sure. So when are the tables going to be flipped and you're going to be the person being interviewed because you have an incredible story to tell? Uh, I've been on a few podcasts. But what about on this podcast? On this one? Yeah. Man, that would be... Yeah. So I actually, my plan is to have Brittany and Mick, who helped me run it, actually start doing interviews themselves. Yeah. And then one day uh, I'll, I'll be a guest on one of their podcasts, but it will be part of the How I Grew This. Okay, so maybe perfect. that's the plan. I, I look forward to that because I actually haven't heard the story of Branch, but I would love to hear it. So I, I hope that that happens at some point. You don't know that we started as Fitbit for dogs? No, I did not know that. Is that true? Is it true? We are, we are, we incorporated Print Labs, same founders. Actually, three of us, our fourth guy kind of left and Dimitri joined when we were, and then we were a photo book printing app for a while. And that's when Dimitri joined. And uh, then Branch came out. We were trying to do like linking and stuff from the app. I was running the marketing for the app and I was like having a really hard time building viral loops. Ah. So that's how uh, that's how Branch started. So the app was called Kindred. We worked on that for like a year and a half and then started Branch. We were in business school and then started Branch around graduation. That's awesome. And that was five and a half years ago. Wow. And we've been incorporated for over seven years now. Wow. Congratulations. It's so great. <sighs> Thank you so much again. This was this was pretty awesome. Awesome. Matt, it was great to connect with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing. Keep growing.